Welcome to the Art of Human podcast, the podcast dedicated to celebrating humanhood via practical life concepts, insightful perspective from strangers, health experts, and really just about anybody. I am your host, Sapien. I hope you enjoy. What's up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of Talking with a Health Expert. During this podcast, I speak with Joseph Bartolone. He is a registered dietitian who specializes in gut health. Joseph has his own website, www.healthygutrd.com. I'll make sure to put the link in the description of this episode. If you go on the website, he's actually offering a one-month free meal plan right now, so please go and check it out. On top of that, he has a ton of informative information with regard to gut health, and he even has his own quizzes on there that you can take for free that will hopefully help narrow down the type of disordered gut health that you may have. So if you have any concerns regarding your gut health or want to ask any type of questions in that realm, please go ahead and check out the website. Um, During this podcast episode, me and Joseph talk about so many different things. We start off by talking about, you know, his craft, his philosophy as a gut health expert. And then we go on to talk about functional medicine. We kind of compare Western and Eastern medicine. We talk about the prescription and usage of antibiotics in the United States, uh, the importance of the microbiome. You know, we talk about prebiotics, probiotics, and just a ton of stuff that's technical to his field. But we also always, like always, we bring it back to universal principles um, that is really applicable to anything. And we bring to light the universal principles that exist in this, all the technicalities of gut health and just nutrition and things of that sort so i really hope you enjoy this episode you guys thank you for having the patience for to listen to this podcast i know i'm still a very new i'm very new at this whole hosting thing and just the whole production of these podcast episodes so i appreciate your patience i appreciate any type of um, attention that you give towards the podcast and i really do hope that it brings you value and if it doesn't bring you value at the moment, don't worry about it, because I'm going to be doing this for a long, long time, and I'm only going to get better, I hope. So, that is it. I hope you enjoy. Alright, and we're live. Uh, did you all keep right. all the other stuff we recorded? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Alright, guys, so I have Joseph here today, and I want to talk to him about his career as a registered dietitian. Uh, how long have you been a dietitian now? Um, so I passed my exam August last year. It's been six months about, about uh, six almost months. six months, six uh, months. but honestly, like, I feel like I've been doing this my whole life. You've been doing like nutrition type stuff all your life. Yeah. It's just like, uh, becoming a dietitian is just like the title. Like oh, okay, okay. ever since I was really young. I've like always wanted to do this exactly what I'm doing. Like, uh, I'm already like the second I passed my exam, I already like had a business in mind, like website, everything. Um, it's just, yeah, it's always been like this. And I guess it kind of makes sense. Like why I'm here now. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's like, you've always kind of had this passion towards nutrition Mm -hmm. But it's like you kind of needed the credentials so that you could accomplish the things you wanted to, especially legally, because I know, yeah, I think the laws for dietitians are different, like mm-hmm. state by state. But yeah, dude, that's super dope. So obviously you're you're like genuinely passionate about this thing, 
And uh, so, like you said, like you've only been a dietitian for six, seven months. But I think in terms of your your education, in terms of your experience, it's probably way beyond that. Um, so the first question I want to ask you was like, what's your philosophy like in your profession? Like just to give uh, listeners a little bit of context as to like you. And you, I mean, you were you already giving them context by what you just said. But what's kind of your philosophy in your profession now as a dietitian? Um, so I'll give you my current philosophy, but it has morphed over time. Mm-hmm. Um, my current philosophy is that you are not what you eat. You are what you digest and absorb. And, uh, that's kind of come recently from my own like health issues that I've had. Um, just because like as a dietitian, there's like general recommendations for food, that people give and like I tried most of those recommendations to try um I was having a lot of like issues gastrointestinal issues um like a lot of abdominal pain issues with digestion and um I like you know I'm very meticulous like I looked into like all different kinds of like ways to deal with it Mm -hmm. and like I pretty much tried like all the general recommendations for diet and everything and uh nothing Mm. worked Mm. so that's what led me to this philosophy of uh that it's not only what you eat like it's more on an individual basis yeah um and that kind of started because like after I mean, diet, I think diet's important for, like, probably, like, the general population. Like, if they fix their diet, then they would notice a lot of improvements mm-hmm. in, in like, vitality and health and, like, how they feel. Um, but if you do everything you can with your diet and you're still not feeling better, then there's deeper issues. Yeah. And... um that's kind of led me to where I am right now in all the research and everything I'm trying to do in like um, with gut health and trying to uh, get people to have healthy guts so that they can live off a healthy diet, you know? Yeah, because I mean, like you mentioned, like you went through a lot of struggle mm-hmm. just trying to, to be healthy because... I mean, I w- I spent like quite a few. I've known you for a few years now. We yeah. went to college together, and like the things that you would eat at school is like very particular. Yeah. And like I remember you mentioning a lot about how like you could only eat a few select type of foods because everything else would like aggravate your stomach, and so mm-hmm. you you had to like do trial and error. You yeah. eat certain foods, you figure out how that one particular thing would affect your stomach, and then you, you kind of just keep crossing things off the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think recently you told me that you actually now you could eat a lot of the foods that you thought you couldn't right so what like what's that about yeah so um yeah what i was doing was which is kind of like the western medical philosophy Mm -hmm. is treat the symptoms so when i eliminated like foods it i felt better like you know i um i like my symptoms went away you know and i started feeling better Mm -hmm. um but it didn't it didn't last and it wasn't like a full like long term solution mm-hmm. it was just like managing the symptoms mm-hmm. and um after doing that for a long time 
I actually realized that that doesn't work. Like, um, there are like specific, like elimination diets and things you could do Mm -hmm. to try to like identify problems and then fix them from there. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I was doing was just eliminating, eliminating foods to where I had like a certain, like, I don't know, like 10 to 20 foods I would eat just because I was so scared of like the repercussions of eating the foods. Mm-hmm. Um, but every every time you eliminated a food, it was because you felt like it affected you, right? Negatively? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that, yeah. And it, it, it like, that's the problem is that, that it works. Like you notice a difference with it. But for a long-term solution, it's it's not good like um as as a dietitian like it actually i know that it could cause like micronutrient deficiencies like vitamin deficiencies um like i know a good like a popular one now is the low fodmap diet Mm -hmm. and like that diet really shouldn't be followed for longer than three months Mm -hmm. otherwise there is like correlations and studies that show that it could start to cause like micronutrient deficiencies and stuff um so i know me personally like i followed that diet and like if i cut something out that was it like i just i wouldn't reintroduce it or anything um and like that led me to having just this like small amount of foods that i could eat and um i just i was just i i don't know i was scared i was so scared of the symptoms that like whatever worked i would just hang on to it Mm -hmm. um but eventually what worked didn't really work like it was mm-hmm. just a short-term solution do you think do you think part of it was like placebo effect like it was almost like a mental thing where like mm-hmm. you kind of felt that it was benefiting you but then after a while like it in reality it wasn't yeah so yeah the mind in like this whole thing is crazy um because i did notice that um some of the like symptoms i had and effects that i had like would happen when i was stressed out mm-hmm. um would happen when i wasn't getting enough sleep like would happen like i i physically felt a couple of times where like you know they say like oh i'm sick to my stomach like mm-hmm. if you hear bad news like i felt that too right and mm-hmm. like got the same symptoms so uh i guess it's just really complicated mm-hmm. um and like, yeah, trying to like pick out specific foods and identify them. There's like a big problem with that because there's so many factors going on. Um, like I know that uh, some of the foods that I eliminated, like when I was around family and the holidays and it was like stress free or like I remember one time I went to Disneyland with my family and like i didn't really care like i just ate the food carefree and like i had no symptoms Mm. and it was like foods that like i've identified to cause symptoms before so um there is like there is a connection and that's just that's just an anecdotal thing from me Mm -hmm. um but i have i have heard a lot of like similar anecdotal things where um stress can actually cause like um more issues than like if you were to eat a food that's like you know considered bad and then like feel guilty about it Mm -hmm. like the stress that it causes you um 
could actually be worse for you than like eating the so-called like healthy foods you know okay and so i guess using you like you just said your mm-hmm. anecdotal like your kind of personal experience like you mentioned there's a lot of people who have you have heard have mm-hmm. very similar experiences to you like and now that you've kind of uh progressed beyond the point that you were talking about having mm-hmm. like you know instead of being of like you recognize the fact that your mental state influenced how that food would actually like how you would perceive that food as being good or bad for you like um so what's the next like for you to have progressed to the point now where you recognize that a lot of those foods weren't actually bad for you do you still have an underlying issue that you're working on or was that was the mental kind of if was your mental perception on the food the only issue um no it definitely didn't help um what didn't help the mental perception i had on about food yeah um but also this goes this goes deeper than food Mm -hmm. like i just had um like you know from like life and trauma and like my own self-image of myself i had like uh like i didn't like myself a lot and um i know that that like this is like kind of like a I guess a Chinese like medicine ideology mm-hmm. where um, certain areas of the body, like if you get anxiety, like it affects um, and I'm not an expert on this, so I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not exactly sure like which organs are affected by what, but mm-hmm. like they would like, I think like depression was a stomach or something like there's something correlated to the mind and all that. Um, and just like the stress and the food, those are factors um i believe that played a factor as well Mm. just the my own like mental state because um i did like i have read a lot about the like gut brain connection and um like the interesting thing is like it it's a two-way route right like the if something happens like you have symptoms like gastrointestinal symptoms or like physiological issues there it could affect your mental state if you have like something mental like uh wrong it could affect like your digestion Mm -hmm. and your like uh, gastrointestinal health Mm -hmm. so someone for example who who has had who has the issues that you had right you maybe didn't have a good self-image you kind of had this somewhat of a mental like deficiency like you didn't have a good Mm self-esteem and then that kind of affected your perspective on food and then that in turn affected your stomach but for someone who is in a good mental state and then their stomach is still messing them up like what is what is the issue commonly found there um yeah so yeah and i'm not I'm not saying mine was uh, mental purely. Okay. Um, I'm saying there's a lot of factors. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of the common issues that occur when like there's... Because your your gut's kind of like an ecosystem. You have have bacteria, yeast, fungi, um, even like pathogenic organisms that naturally reside in your gut. And they don't become issues unless you have like an imbalance in something else um so when you do have these like mental issues it could change your gut flora um when you do have uh other issues 
Um, like one thing is antibiotic use could kill off like a lot of your um, natural flora. And then that could cause dysbiosis in your gut. Um, there's a lot of things, but uh, some of the major like contributors that I've seen recently um, as far as like functional disorders is uh, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Um, small intestinal fungal overgrowth, candida overgrowth, um, dysbiosis, and parasitic infections. And those are, um, so this is kind of like, these are functional disorders. Um, What does that mean by functional? So that means that like, there's something like it's affecting your natural physiology. Um, it's usually not like if we think of Western medicine, we think of like infections, it's like, boom, it happened at one time. Like you Mm -hmm. got the infection. It was a, like acute, um, like an acute etiology. Mm -hmm. And then, um, we treat it acutely Mm -hmm. like a functional disorder. Like I was talking about, like it has all these factors and like it developed over time. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a more long-term, it's a, Mm -hmm. it's a chronic issue. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a chronic issue and um just like another common thing with like gut health issues is like autoimmune diseases that's a functional disorder like it it occurs over time like it develops um and these things like the like one of the major problems is we're using um like acute ways to treat them Mm -hmm. um like antibiotics are i mean they're amazing like they've helped us um like survive like simple things like cuts right like people would die of infections from like a scrape um <clears throat> we're able to perform surgery now like antiseptic surgery because like we have antibiotics we have antiseptic procedures um all these things like all these great things that came with medical um like medical inventions of you know recent history mm-hmm. like all these things are great it's just we've like because they're so great we've started overusing them mm, we've started using them in 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 ways in which aren't necessarily particularly great for the long run mm-hmm. but we've seen how effective they are in certain occasions like the ones you mentioned which are great yeah but then now we're using them to treat things which you really can't treat them with that like yeah. it, that's only like you said that's only maybe benefiting to diminish the symptoms mm-hmm. but we're not actually tackling the actual foundational issues and because it's a chronic disease you can't fix it by just Mm -hmm. diminishing the symptoms yeah so you're saying that antibiotics could be a negative thing towards our uh, microbiome it's just like a temporary fix maybe um not necessarily so antibiotics like like i said they're useful um but like we're using them for like everything now mm-hmm. i mean i've been to the doctor a couple times like <laughs> i had like a pimple and it looked like a spider bite and she gave me antibiotics mm. and then i was just like huh i'm just gonna wait a couple days and see if this goes away and it went away mm. so like the over prescribing of antibiotics like mm-hmm. that's a big issue um like the i mean antibiotics actually can be used 
for gut health issues Mm -hmm. if the issue is like a bacterial infection, Mm -hmm. right? And that's another issue with antibiotics. Like um, if someone has um, like pneumonia caused by a virus and you take antibiotics, like the antibiotics kill bacteria, Mm -hmm. but not the virus. Mm -hmm. So you're pretty much just destroying like um, good bacteria for no reason. Mm-hmm. and uh, people prescribe this knowing that the antibiotics aren't actually curing the virus like they're not yeah not not like intentionally mm. it's just the way like it's set up like you go into the doctor you see them for like 10 15 minutes right mm-hmm. and they come back with a prescription mm-hmm. so it's like um in the grand scheme of things like the overall like help of the population um like the benefit outweighs the harm Mm. um it's just now that we've like had them around for a while and we kind of know these things Mm -hmm. um like definitely it's it's time for a change um like you shouldn't be giving antibiotics as a first defense without knowing like if it's actually going to be helpful Mm mm-hmm Ah, so there's definitely, I feel like there's just a big issue in the health system that we have here mm-hmm. in the United States. Maybe this is like outside your scope <laughs> of practice, but do you, do you think this is something that's really here only in the United States or is this a problem that's happening all around the world? I don't know if you've heard about that. Like, are they prescribing antibiotics as lightly or as nonchalantly everywhere else as we do it here? Or is that just an issue we have here? Do you know? Um, That's a good question. I do know, like, uh, the only things I do know and have researched about is, like, things in relation to, like, issues we have here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I don't think that... I, I think we're actually... Like, our s- medical system is actually really good. Mm-hmm. We just have things we could work on. Okay. And that's one of them. Um, but as far as, like, antibiotics in other countries... Um, I know there is a comparison like with Eastern medicine and Western medicine Mm -hmm. and Eastern medicine typically is, uh, focuses more on natural remedies. Mm -hmm. Um, like you have Chinese herbal medicine, which has been around for a long time. Um, yeah. And things like that with Eastern medicine, I believe like both are good. Yeah. And just, um, I think it's time that we don't, uh, like we do a more targeted approach. Like if you have a functional disorder, um, we actually identify it and then we use the like functional treatment mm-hmm. instead of like trying to give it like trying to treat a chronic problem with acute medications. Mm-hmm. So what, um, what would be like a, I guess, common example of this kind of functional practice that you're talking about? Like what would be, now, we don't have to go super detailed, but what would be like the general outline of the procedure you would go through with someone who's trying to correct their microbiome by doing the functional method that you're talking about versus just getting the antibiotics? Um, yeah. So like compared to uh, traditional medicine or Western medicine we have in the U.S. and like functional medicine, um like, like I said, the Western medicine, like you go in 10, 15 minutes, right? 
like the doctor asks, oh, what happened? And then boom, they come back with a prescription. Mm-hmm. In like a functional medicine setting, you go and like the appointments are typically like an hour and a half to two hours on your first session. Mm. And they'll ask you like questionnaires, everything, like get a full like health history on you, um, which can be very helpful in like identifying uh, factors that could be causing what like your imbalances. Um, like... I mean, as far as like some of the common gut health issues, like they will ask about like overuse antibiotics mm. because that could be identify SIBO because if you're killing off like the bacteria, like good bacteria as well as bad bacteria, then um, some of the natural like pathogens in your gut can take over or they can even migrate, which is what actually like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth is when uh, bacteria from your large intestine migrate to your small intestine. Now you have an overpopulation in the small intestine. Yeah, and like stuff like fermentation occurs in the small intestine when it's like not made for that. And that could cause like a lot of pain and symptoms, abdominal pain, because um, you're getting all this like fermentation and gas production when uh, you don't really have an outlet, right? It's just in the middle of your intestines. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and that's that's uh, one thing that could occur with, with antibiotic overuse. Um, another thing, like, they, like, you can go over the person's history as, like, a child because a lot of, like, what you have in your gut microbiome is built at a young age. Mm. If, um, if, like, a person was not breastfed, mm-hmm. then they didn't get a lot of the antibodies and, like... Um, microbes from the breast milk of their mother Mm -hmm. and then so over time like those microbes didn't flourish and those microbes didn't like rest inside your microbiome and they didn't like learn how basically how to live Mm -hmm. inside of your gut um yeah and then also um when babies are born like now again like we're doing a lot of c-sections which can like save babies' lives. Mm-hmm. It's it's a good thing, but then um, the baby is not getting introduced to like the vaginal um, microbe species that uh, that the mother has yeah. during childbirth, and um, yeah, and it's like I mean all this stuff sounds kind of crazy, but it's 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 validated. Like even there's doctors that are starting to do like a fecal smear on kids that are born with c-sections where they'll just kind of um rub like the fluid from the mother's uh vagina on the under the kid's like lip or mouth or something um and then yeah to just to introduce those microbes to the newborn baby so it really it really the whole microbiome really starts at the second like from Mm. the whole process of the baby being in the stomach because like you mentioned the Well, I mean, well, yeah, that's kind of when it's happening, but it's when you, when you actually have the baby, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, the way it comes out, whether it's through the vagina or not. Yeah. And then, wow, and then now you could even just smear some of the juice on the kid, and then that'll kind of help with the microbiome development. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and the, so the child, the child's typically, like, born sterile, right, with nothing. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, their first introduction to microbes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um and that's when it all starts like that's when the ecosystem starts building and it's not just uh the gut microbiome is where like the most microbes are mm-hmm. exist in the body 
but there's like the skin microbiome, the ear microbiome, the nose microbiome, the eye microbiome. Um, and now like that we're finding out about this, it's relatively new. Mm -hmm. Like if you look, there was like an explosion in like 2012 of like the literature. And now it's like over the past like seven, eight years, there's been so many articles about the microbiome. Um, and now we're like learning interesting things of like how to treat like now they have uh not only like probiotics for your gut health but they have like ones that are targeted for mental health they have ones that are targeted for um vaginal health of women they have oral probiotics which actually like helps with throat infections and like um like oral health of your mouth like they um prescribe people with oral probiotics and they get less cavities and their oral health improves Hmm. so the microbiome exists everywhere it's everywhere yeah and because i know you said a lot of this is fairly new since like 2012 everything's just kind of blown up Hmm. is a lot of the research that's been done is it pretty conclusive stuff is it pretty like is there a good correlation or is it is it still kind of vague is it still kind of inconclusive at this point like um because some of it some of it is just very kind of hard to comprehend because it's so abstract yeah. Like you telling me to take something and it's going to help with my, my, you yeah. know, the health in my mouth. Like it seems kind of bizarre, which I, I think it's yeah. definitely, mm-hmm. I think it definitely has a possibility of influence. But what is, does the research, is it pretty conclusive on some of the stuff? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> there is some stuff that's promising, mm-hmm. but like the way, I mean, the way research works, like we don't really know, like until like, you know, like 10 years later after Mm. like how like safe something is Mm -hmm. and how um, like conclusive the evidence is right. Like um, there's things like, like smoking, like, you know, when that research came out, like the, like the correlation of smoking and causing cancer was like, so like crazy, like a 400% increase or something like it was like so obvious that um, something like that mm-hmm. we like adopted and like um, like they accepted it right because mm-hmm. um, the evidence was so strong. But like yeah, a lot of this stuff it's 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 tough. Like and all the evidence you see is like oh here's something supporting it. Oh here's something against it. Mm. And uh, <laughs> that's like another issue with this stuff is the like the trials and evidence that we have now it's very like good for drug like for a single approach on like treating something Mm -hmm. like because it's an easy factor to control Mm -hmm. if you're trying to do a diet study it's like nearly impossible to control it's nearly impossible to get like the same type of food every time to the same person Mm -hmm. and to like not consider their lifestyle or anything like Mm -hmm. other factors in their life so a lot of these studies like if you're trying to treat a functional disorder it would like you would pretty much like a lot of them are done with mice because like you could control like where a mice lives where a mice goes right like um it'd be it's a lot of them are hard to do on humans um but 
it's like um i've heard man i've heard i've heard someone say like you want to be evidence based not evidence limited Mm. so um basically like there's a lot of things that are validated and work Mm -hmm. right um but we don't want to say that something doesn't work just because it hasn't been like 100 percent validated Mm mm-hmm and even that, even saying like nothing's nothing's really a hundred percent valid. No, 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 no. Like I, the like medications and stuff. Um, like for them to be pr- like used, I think they only have to be like twenty six percent effective or something. Mm-hmm. Which is like if that like if that's a case, then three quarters of the people you're treating have no benefit from it. Mm-hmm. but it's like an evidence <laughs> right uh, yeah. it's an evidence thing that we're just giving out to a hundred percent of the people mm-hmm. but like not a hundred percent benefit from it yeah. and there's like there's no i mean there might be s- like some studies that show like 100 percent efficacy but like most studies just like it's like a certain percent correlation mm-hmm. to like validate it right mm-hmm. and yeah so (laughs) it's like it's more diff it's a lot more difficult to treat a functional disorder yeah because i think from what i'm understanding with what you're saying it's like when you work with them you being a dietitian you being the expert you having done all the research like you could probably recognize like all the little subtleties that would hopefully show you that this person's improving their health and uh i think a lot of it comes down to like intuitive like someone being Mm -hmm. in tune with their body you're yeah. doing this. How does that make you feel? Yeah. And like things of that sort. Because like you mentioned, at the end of the day, like nothing's ever really conclusive in terms mm-hmm. of like how effective it is. Yeah. So I think that's why you have to have an expert like you to help mm-hmm. facilitate it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you also need that feedback from the individual telling you, how yeah. is this making you feel? How is this doing? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's really cool. And I think it's something that's almost like universally applicable. Like whatever it is you're doing, you have to be able to recognize how it makes you feel Mm -hmm. in spite of it being like, quote unquote, the best or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, um, I mean, there's this, there's this quote I heard from a great doctor. Sorry. I'm not thinking of his name right now. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we could attach it to the, to the file at the end. Um, but he says, um, a great doctor treats a disease or a good doctor treats a disease Mm -hmm. a great doctor treats the patient with the disease Mm -hmm. like because it's basically saying that like all diseases are the same and Mm -hmm. like everyone like everyone with type 1 diabetes you know you have the same treatment right Mm -hmm. um but like everyone's different you know Mm -hmm. like and that's where like like treating the functional disorders there it's like it's a lot harder than, oh, just take this pill and mm-hmm. everything will be better. Um, which like, as we're seeing, isn't necessarily true. Yeah. Um, but like, it's more like, okay, let's, let's figure out what's going on. Like, let's figure out what helps you. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be, yeah, you have to be intuitive. Um, we have to see what, what helps each individual specifically. And that's where, um, yeah, like working with a health professional, could be like an a better way to guide you Mm -hmm. because ultimately it is in the like hands of the patient Mm -hmm. like um their their intuition is very helpful like they know what's going on in their life they know their history they can tell you these things 
But then when the healthcare professional comes in, they might like hear some of these like little intricacies that the patient says and like the patient maybe never thought twice about it, mm-hmm. but the the healthcare professional knows. Ooh, like okay, that's a that's a that's an indicator for this. Yeah, like one yeah. thing is like, um, like there's a huge correlation with people who are allergic to mold and like having a candida overgrowth. Mm. Um, there's a huge correlation for people that have athlete's foot and having like a yeast infection or a, a candida overgrowth. Mm. Um, so like little things like these that sound like they're not like very important could be like huge indicators and like working with a healthcare professional, they could help guide that. Damn. Yeah. That's super (laughs) cool. Um, so now kind of talking about this and we've gotten like pretty deep into some of the technical Mm -hmm. stuff. What for just like an ordinary person who's not necessarily having like, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of gut health issues or, you know, at least in terms of symptoms, they don't feel necessarily like terrible. But if they want, like, just a simple piece of advice for, like, everybody to kind of help their microbiome, mm-hmm. like, what would that be? Um, yeah, so, I mean, and, like, diet, like I said, like, diet probably for, like, 80% of people will, like, help them improve, like, mm-hmm. show, like, huge improvements. Um, so, like, some some basic things that people can do is like um usually people incorporating probiotic foods Mm -hmm. helps helps them with their digestion digestive health um also prebiotic foods like you get a lot from vegetables and fruits right um and there's there's a lot of stuff going around about like oh fruits is bad now right because like it turns into sugar um but it's kind of discounting like the the whole fruit right Mm -hmm. like it has fiber it's not like it's not like eating like a tablespoon of sugar which goes directly to your bloodstream like the fiber slows down the digestion right Mm -hmm. um yeah so incorporating those things but then then, you mentioned uh probiotics so what would be some good examples of probiotics um some probiotic foods like uh yogurt kimchi uh sauerkraut uh kombucha um like yogurt, right? Yes. Greek yogurt. Yeah, Greek yogurt. Um, yeah, and then the, like kefir stuff like that. Basically, all the fermented stuff, right? Because that's yes. where the, that's where yes. the bacteria develops. Yeah, yeah. Anything that's fermented. Um, and then uh, I know just from my background, mm-hmm. also in nutrition, it's like you have the probiotics, which is like yeah. hopefully adding like these um, good bacteria into your microbiome, mm-hmm. into your gut health. But then the prebiotics is like the food for those good ma- bacteria, right? Yeah. And I just so another thing on that. Um, this is the kind of go away from oh, <laughs> the question that you asked about. You know, what would be some general recommendations? Mm-hmm. Um, but the prebiotics, like it's not just food for good bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, people with gastrointestinal issues, this is why they could have issues with prebiotic foods, and um, why the low FODMAP diet is a thing, right? Because those like fermental fermentable oligo mono and polysaccharides and polyols you know um yeah those uh like eliminating those in people with they could have like infections or SIBO like help because the prebiotics in those foods actually feed um either good bacteria and bad bacteria which can cause like irritation Mm -hmm. or they feed like if someone has SIBO they feed the bacteria that's up like in your small intestine Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and then fermentation occurs there. Um, yeah, so prebiotics, like I said, like for 80%, you know, of people, like, yeah, probably awesome, great, like get more. Get, get more, more fruits and vegetables. Get more fruits and vegetables, absolutely. But there's an exclusive percentage of people who they may have to actually like shy away from consuming certain types of foods like that yeah and those those are the individuals that i would say like if you are noticing like that your diet like is overall healthy like um you know you've like done a lot of the recommendations and you're still not noticing um any improvements Mm -hmm. that's when you would seek out like a professional to work with Mm mm-hmm yeah um but on the other end of like general uh diet recommendations Mm -hmm. um another thing i would say is like eat intuitively Mm -hmm. have the foods you want to have don't hate yourself for having a piece of cake yeah like um and this is this is something like i've learned a lot about working uh at an eating disorders clinic um that like the gut mind connection is a is a real thing Mm -hmm. and that um most like a lot of the times if you're causing stress over the food you're eating like you could be doing um like it could be worse for your health right Mm -hmm. which um like one of the one of the diagnoses is orthorexia Mm. which is like uh like focus on like perfect healthy eating Mm -hmm. right and um that is an actual like eating disorder mm-hmm. um and so people could take it too far mm-hmm. and i think i think that's a big piece like just what i'm seeing with like diet and health culture mm-hmm. that's really blown up a lot i mean i don't want to say recently because it, it's been it's been around for a while mm-hmm. but like now with like all social media it's just everywhere like mm-hmm. it's in your face and people eat like a sweet and they hate themselves after mm-hmm. And it's like, um, what, like, what, how's that good for your health? Yeah. Like the food might not be like the most like nutrient dense thing in the world, Mm -hmm. but then you saying that I'm a piece of shit for eating this brownie is way more detrimental than just eating it and enjoying that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, and two, I think if you're eating like the perfect healthy diet, like all the time, that's super stressful too like Mm -hmm. because you like what you're gonna prepare all your food at home or like you're gonna freak out if like you go to the store and they don't have your organic freaking like you know they don't have organic fruits Mm -hmm. and like again that's like that goes against your mental health like what are you gonna do we're living in the real world and you're trying to eat perfect that's just not that's just not really possible yeah. all the time and like you mentioned like even if you did make it possible and you quote unquote ate perfect mm-hmm. all the time then you're then you're really putting yourself you know you're making yourself susceptible to develop this kind of eating disorder disordered eating patterns which yeah. at the end of the day are so much far worse mm-hmm. than if someone has a pretty good well balanced diet but then they still don't mind you know going out and having boba and going out and like eating the cake at, at a birthday party and, you know, occasionally, you know, even occasionally drinking alcohol and doing, you know, mm-hmm. cause everything in moderation is fine. Yeah. And I think, uh, me as a person, I'm not a registered dietitian mm-hmm. yet like you, but I'm on that path. I'll be taking my dietetic internship soon. Hopefully, yeah. um, the kind of philosophy that I like 
mm-hmm. is like uh, I forgot. I think someone brought it up at school. One of the professors, but they said like the eighty twenty rule. Yeah, eighty percent of the time you have a well balanced diet, right? So yeah. you're eating from all the different food groups. You're getting your protein, whether that's from meat, from eggs, from like tofu, mm-hmm. etc. You're getting your dairy products. You're getting your grains. Mm-hmm. You're getting your fruits and vegetables, right? So you're getting from all your food groups. You're yeah. having like a relatively balanced diet eighty percent of the time. Mm-hmm. But then 20% of the time, like, just go ahead and eat whatever you want. Yeah. And that can be every day. I mean, Mm -hmm. if every day you want to eat, like, you know, you have a pretty well-balanced diet, but then, like, for lunch you like to have, I don't know, like, a Snickers bar and that's just your thing, like, screw it. Like, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter. Like, that's good for your health, too, to just enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I like that 80-20 rule. I think it's a really good, like, rule of thumb. Yeah. And that's, like, a, that's a well-established law, actually. It's called Pareto's Law. Pareto's law yeah 80 20 rule um yeah we're like yeah the original um Pareto like he figured out that um shoot he was growing uh some kind of I don't know some kind of plants Mm -hmm. and he realized that like 20 percent of like the effort he put in yielded 80 percent of the results Mm. so by um like reversing the rule right and putting like 80 percent of yeah the per, getting 80 percent of the yield and realizing that 20 percent only shows like marginal results mm-hmm. compared to the other 80 percent yeah um that i think that translates into like pretty much everything damn so that's that's where that idea came from then from this guy yeah yeah and i <laughs> sorry i haven't i haven't um I've heard I heard about this a long time ago, so I'm not 100% sure on it. But yeah, I know that it's Pareto's law and the 80-20 rule are related. Yeah, uh, and I think uh, that's so interesting and it fascinates me because the concept that I like to mm-hmm. talk about, and I know I was mentioning to you before we started recording, was this idea of flow state. Mm-hmm. You know, me and you both being athletes, we kind of, you know, we can relate to each other in that sense. And um, I think 80-20, and then now that you've even told me about how this principle was almost, like, established from this other thing, Mm -hmm. like, it seems like this principle is pretty pretty universally applicable, not even in the context of food or growing plants, but almost just on a day-to-day basis, like... Like, I think, um, you know, sometimes we think about this idea of putting, like, 150% or, like, always give 110% effort and, like, all this kind of thing, and... I think I can relate to that idea that you're constantly trying to do your best at whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. But it's like, it, it's just with the whole eating disorder thing. It's just with the whole, like, trying mm-hmm. to eat perfectly. It's like whenever you try to do something perfectly, yeah, it, it doesn't benefit you. Yeah. And that's why I feel like, you know, 80%, like you mentioned, like 80% of your energy, like, focus it on your craft. Focus mm-hmm. it on your profession as a dietitian. Focus it. Like, you know, obviously you have to put in the work, you have to be consistent, you have to be Mm -hmm. disciplined, but then like you have to have that bit of leisure Mm -hmm. of like, hey, you know what? Like today I don't feel good. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to my body and I'm just, I'm going to do what I feel like doing. Yeah. And it's like, I think your level of efficiency is substantially higher when you do Mm -hmm. that. Like, and I could personally relate to that because I feel like when I was in school, Mm -hmm. it was like, I was always just constantly trying to do something that would benefit me in either school or athletics. Yeah. But then, you know, a lot of times I feel like shit. You just feel overworked. You, mm-hmm. You're not fucking happy. You're like, there's so many, there's so many things that it's not good for. So yeah. I just, I just think that's a fascinating thing, the 80 20. Yeah. And like, um, 
another thing is like considering like the amount of time and like the 80 20 ratio Mm -hmm. and like how much you're actually putting out Mm -hmm. right because there's this concept like that that you get into this deep work state right Mm -hmm. and it lasts like a few hours so like you're working 14 hours but then like the amount of time like you're in that deep state of like like a couple hours right you put out more work than you did over the whole day mm-hmm. so it's like when do you um like when do you like stop and like notice okay like i'm being counterproductive right now like i'm i'm working a 14 hour day which is like good like i put a lot of work in but then also like how much of it was useful mm-hmm. and like how effective was i was yeah. i really all that productive mm-hmm. and like you mm-hmm. could even do like a like test yourself like if anybody's out there listening like if you've been going really really hard at something Mm -hmm. like look at how much like you mentioned like how much production how much output there is and then maybe try it again that same thing but just do it enough to where you feel good you know Mm -hmm. take a break like take a you know that's why you have fucking breaks at work and stuff take a break you know kind of uh like really put yourself back in homeostasis and then go back at it again and then you'll probably do the same amount of productivity in mm-hmm. eight hours that you were doing in 14 because you kind of let the let like kind of let your foot off the gas a little bit yeah and i think um i think our culture a lot of times it's like it's like all or nothing like people are either like going like a thousand percent or they just don't want to try at all yeah and it's like you need to be like fuck everybody first mm-hmm. off you need to say fuck everybody and then just do what feels right for you because yeah. your 80 20 might be different from my 80 20 mm-hmm. It might be completely different. So that's why you need to really think objectively, I think so, and, and then just really look at, you know, be intuitive with yourself, with your emotions, and recognize what works for you. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you can definitely, like, find out what's the best thing for you. Because everybody yeah. everybody has, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I think everybody, everybody can be great at something. Mm-hmm. But I think the most fundamental thing is, like, finding out what you desire to do. Yeah. And then from there, it's natural. Like, yeah, it's yeah. And like trying like that's another thing with like uh, that, like giving 100 percent, trying to be a perfectionist. Like you're scared to try things mm-hmm. like um, we have all these freaking um, ways to like promote ourselves right through social media. Mm-hmm. But people are scared to post again, like because they're scared they're not going to get as many likes as they did in their last post. It's like it's it's fear based. Like we're 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 living in a culture that's like um like perfectionist and it's like it's it's causing us to lose productivity mm-hmm. like with the like as you were saying if you are 80 20 like you have less burnout mm-hmm. like say you're like you're giving oh 140 percent right and you do that for a few months and then you're done mm-hmm. and you're so sick of like what you were doing you're like i don't want to go back to that Mm-hmm. But then say you're consistently like not even like you don't even have to be 80 20. Mm-hmm. Like I think consistency is the most important thing. Oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. if you do like even if you put in like 25% effort and then do that over 5 to 10 years cuz you didn't burn out, mm-hmm. like you're going to get a lot farther than you would have with the freaking put 100, 150 for a couple months. 150%, yeah, a couple months and then and you then, give up because the yeah. intensity is just too high. Yeah, and just being disgusted by it. Oh, God. See, dude, I love talking about that. I love I love advocating mm-hmm. for it because I think it's an idea that I wish I would have heard more of. Mm-hmm. 
because I feel like I always kind of felt this idea, yeah. but I could never relate to anybody about it because, like I said, it's just such a it's a very kind of unorthodox or unconventional way of thinking. Yeah. Um, and I mean, kind of relating this all back to mental health, it all really comes down to your mental mm-hmm. health. Yeah. Because when you're going really hard, your anxiety goes up, like yeah. everything tends to go up. And it's like, at the end of the day, like we're really preaching about having good health. Yeah. And, uh, I know we're kind of like, maybe it sounds like we're deviating, but at the end of the day, it all comes down to your mental health and it all relates. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I know it's crazy. I got into the profession of like being a dietitian because of my experience that I had as a child, mm-hmm. but like really like, what I'm discovering, it's like, like how you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what affects your health. Mm -hmm. Like if you do like live intentionally, like practice 80, 20 rule in all areas of life, like, like you do in your diet, like that's what promotes health. Mm. And like, um, yeah. And focusing on that, it's it's really crazy how like yeah being a dietitian has led me um like far down a rabbit hole of like what food's all about and everything what it does in the body but there's like so much more mm-hmm. to health and there's so much more to like you're saying mental health mm-hmm. and um i think i think that's the most important thing is is staying healthy like if you have um like if you have something you're working towards and you're you're overworking and it's affecting your health like in the long run it's not going to be worth it mm-hmm. like you your health should always come first i think that's what <laughs> i've realized as being a dietitian mm-hmm. yeah. damn all right well i feel like we kind of definitely tackled a lot of things i think we definitely dived in a lot mm-hmm. into the whole microbiome hopefully a lot of the listeners got perspective onto like just like general advice for the microbiome, but they also now understand how like the subtle nuances that exist amongst it. So I think uh, for anybody who's listening right now, mm-hmm. who maybe some of this um, you felt was relatable in terms of like the microbiome things that we we're talking about, you know, you know, it's, it's good advice to go seek help from a professional. And, you know, like uh, Joseph was mentioning, like the best idea, you know, you can go to your doctor but if they're nonchalantly nonchalantly prescribing you antibiotics, then, I mean, just be a little wary about that. But then also now you can be conscious that there is other um, ways to tackle the issue, like the functional medicine that Joseph was talking about, which I feel like is a much more holistic approach. Um, so, yeah, hopefully you listeners can take that home. And Joseph, is there any, like, last things that you want to let the listeners know, maybe any projects or, like, anything about yourself that you want people to know? Um, yeah, so I have like, I started my business this year in 2020. Um, I have a website. It's called the healthygutrd.com. Um, healthygutrd.com. You could go visit there. I provide a lot of explanation on there, um, in detail. Also, there's some of the questionnaires on there that may help you identify if you're having problems with your digestion um i offer some simple like things you could try and like um be intuitive with in order to like test your gut health and uh 
see see where you're at and see how you can improve your digestion. Um, you could email me at guthealthnutrition at gmail.com um, if you're interested in a consultation or if you just want to know more. Um, I'm always interested to share. And uh, yeah. That's really it. That's and what was the name of the website? My, the website, your website? Oh, it's uh, healthygutrd.com. Okay, if, the, if that if that's not right, we'll look into it right now once we're done recording, and I'll make sure to to put your website like somewhere where people can find it, so okay. you don't have to worry. But all right, it's been such a pleasure, Joseph. Thank you so much for doing this, and uh, yeah, it's been fun. Thanks, man. And that is a wrap for this episode of the Art of Human podcast. If you feel this episode was insightful or beneficial for you in any way please make sure to share it with those you feel may also benefit. If you'd like to get sneak peek audio clips from the latest episode, behind the scenes footage for the podcast, or insightful content from your host Sapien, please follow at T-A-O-H experience on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Lastly, go out there, be your sexy self, and spread that peace, love, and positivity. Sincerely, your host Sapien. Until next time.